3: Welcome to it, Midweek Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you, we're loaded up, can take a phone call or so if you want Numbers to get in, dial us up at 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. Give us a find on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. You can email Chris at com. Well, thoughts on Luke McCaffrey coming up. He is no longer at Louisville. Uh, we'll hear from his head football coach who was on an ESPN affiliate in uh, Louisville kind of breaking down what their summer plans are that does not include Luke McCaffrey some reaction to that and just a, a little bit a little bit of a a look back with just what is now officially the saga of Luke McCaffrey. Brandon Vogel's going to be with us in about 20 minutes or so. Mike Schuhart, Shuey, will check in. Uh, we'll talk some golf with uh, Wilderness Ridge's Mike Schuhart, And then Brad Edwards will join us. We'll get into some college football playoff expansion with him. You know, what the next seven years look like for Saban. And also uh, some of his takeaways. I want to pick his brain on... Just the the reputation of of SEC baseball fan bases because Brad did a lot of College World Series work and uh, grew up in the SEC. Interested there. Got an update on the Mojo-Haggy situation when it comes to Arkansas v. Mojo. Uh, Evan Bland, uh, a report that uh, just dropped about 20 minutes ago. We'll get there in a moment. But let us uh, just play you a a quick 30-second snippet here of Louisville's head coach, and his announcement this morning on ESPN Louisville with Luke McCaffrey. Some of you are like, why do we care? Who gives a bleep? The kid left Nebraska. He's at Louisville. Well, I want to play this because Nebraska absolutely got hatcheted and hammered. Now, there's been a ton of attrition for Nebraska, yes, but that's a big name. That's a big name, that McCaffrey name, between Easy Ed catching all those touchdowns in donkey land to Christian being as good as he is, great elite when he's healthy uh, at Carolina. That was a nice get, and there were some nice moments for McCaffrey at Nebraska. There were some tough moments for McCaffrey at Nebraska, but uh, here is Coach Satterfield with ESPN Louisville on Luke McCaffrey.
4: Yeah, you know, Luke came in last week, um started working out Wednesday uh with the team and then I, I guess, you know, after the week, uh, those 3 or 4 days, decided that this this wasn't the place for him. I think his big thing for what he wanted to do was be able to come in and, and play. Um, you know, and be a starting quarterback and um I guess, you know, after 3 or 4 days, decided that that maybe, you know, that wasn't going to happen here. So, um, you know, wish him the best. Not sure what he's going to do, but uh you know, he's a good player, good 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 person.
3: Okay, so let's, let's reset for a second. McCaffrey didn't do spring football at Louisville. Workouts just started a week ago Wednesday. Three or four practices, gone. What you do have is Malik Cunningham and Evan Conley. Cunningham, despite Louisville finishing 12th in the league, did throw 20 touchdown passes, 2,700 yards passing. Let's, uh, let's dissect this. What What is it? What is it about McCaffrey? Let's speculate a little bit and try and stay above board on it because every time Luke's been on with us, good kid. So I hope he finds a spot and he can go play ball. And you wonder if he's getting bad advice or if he's not listening to good advice. And, and that's, that's the ticker. That is the kicker, right? Too many kids have too many bad forms of advice whispered to him. Is he getting it from his parents? I don't know Ed and his, and his mom. I, I don't. I know they're insanely talented athletes. I know it's a good football family. I know people in Denver and the Colorado region they're at love them. I know older brother Dylan's going to be playing quarterback for dad at Northern Colorado. The pride of Fairbury Bill Dolman called his shot years ago, saying maybe both McCaffreys will end up there. Maybe that's true. Maybe Rice is a landing spot. I know Colorado had their quarterback transfer. Luke McCaffrey was interesting because if used like he was used in the Ohio State game, like he was used in the Maryland game, sky's the limit as a do-it-all guy. An emergency can can play some quarterback for you. But above all, in space is a nightmare with his size and speed. I know he's not the biggest guy, but he finishes a runoff. I I think of the Penn State game, how he directed traffic and got Nebraska their first win. I also think of the issues coming in in relief for Adrian and and having turnovers in the red zone having a, having a fumble against Ohio State uh, that's going to happen but there there were a lot of turnovers and then the Illinois game was the, the 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 Levy breaking with not being able to make throws the interceptions and then coming in briefly in the Minnesota game and throwing a quick pick so as a thrower you need to go to a place and give it time to develop you need to give your chance to be developed and 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 marinate, man. Get better. Age for the better. You've got plenty of time. I hope, I hope, and I don't know, I hope it's not a situation, Elijah, where McCaffrey and the McCaffrey family are going and saying, all right, you want my son's services? Great. He needs to start at quarterback. And I hope that it's not a situation where two programs have said, well, We can't guarantee him a starting spot, but we'd sure give him every opportunity. Well, if the coach says that, and every opportunity has been given, there were multiple opportunities given to take that job last year at Nebraska. And, And to Adrian's credit, he wasn't hitting the portal. He battled back, reclaimed his job, and went out with a win. What I do remember about the Rutgers game is McCaffrey warming up, and then all of a sudden not being able to go. In close street clothes didn't like that didn't think that was 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 you know team first maybe he maybe he was dinged I don't know but he was warming up okay so there's hard lessons there's hard lessons and you need to be accepting you need to be accepting of what your strengths are and right now you've had two programs go a different direction and not just hand you the keys to the Ferrari as starting quarterback maybe it's a you problem uh, you can still play ball you can still be phenomenal maybe it's not at quarterback and that's a, that's a tough pill the, like the outlier in this whole I want to play quarterback I want to play quarterback or I, I'm not playing for you i think back to eric crouch and <laughs> like people still give crouch hell but i'm like you know what? Crouch was right. <laughs> Crouch was right to be pissed about not winning the start. And starting. As nice as Newcomb was, Crouch was right to be frustrated. And then, oh, yeah, I'm going to go win a Heisman as a, as a quarterback. He was a really good quarterback in Nebraska. This, this McCaffrey thing's just funky. And the other thing, I look at McCaffrey. He was a four-star, number 4 dual threat quarterback in the country. So he's a guy you go after and you hope you can develop but it just Elijah did it feel like McCaffrey was always just kind of forced into action and in some instances it worked out well his big 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 run against Ohio State was was fantastic but that was that was as a running back okay it just felt forced and and a lot of the comments about Luke by Nebraska, it just felt like you were trying to hang on for dear life to keep him here. It, it, it's not like his,
1: his playing time seemed forced. It was that his role as a quarterback seemed forced. You could see it in that Big Ohio difference. State game. He had major, major talent and probably one of the better athletes on the field, including the guys in the Ohio State team. Yes. He they, had wheels. Uh, he was making people miss. He looked awesome. But then he dropped back in a clean
3: pocket and threw the ball, and you realized, oh,
1: this dude just isn't a
3: quarterback. Or he's not or He's, he's not, not, at the, not at the point in his development as a as a pass-first guy, you can be a dual-threat quarterback, but you got to be able to make some reads and make some plays. And it's not like he was an awful thrower, but when push came to shove, there were just too many mistakes in the passing game mm. in the in the in the sample size we have. I mean, put him in a triple-option offense. I think he's money. You at. send him to you send him to Army, or you send him to Air Force, or you send him to Navy. I mean, throw Bang.
1: Him, throw him in the Nebraska offense from 1996, and I'm sure he'd be awesome. Yeah. No, I, I
3: don't disagree with
1: he, you. He'd be great, but he just he didn't fit this offensive scheme, so he went and tried to go find a, a scheme that fit him better. What strikes me as weird is that he only went to, like, three workouts for this Louisville
3: team. Then he so decided- did someone tell him, hey, you're going to start, or did he expect to just show up and start? Because that, with what the coach talked about, it feels like, <laughs> the guy had enough brass ones to walk in and think he was going to just get the job mm-hmm. without competing for it. I, he's too good an athlete, and just knowing about his family, i.e., his dad. His dad like grinded to make and then thrive as an NFL player. So nothing was given to Ed. Uh, Christian was great at Stanford, but he he delivered when he when he played for Stanford. I, I I respect Dylan McCaffrey because he went through the quarterback merry-go-round in hoops with Harbaugh and company. I mean, Dylan, I know, transferred out of Michigan, but it's not like he was there for five minutes and then left. He put his work in trying to earn that job for four years. And then they end up going with Milton and he's like, I'm out, and then Milton leaves. So you look at little you look at Luke and it, it's, just a, it's just a strange time. It's just an absolute strange time to be a head football coach and to, to live in the world of the portal. You know, with McCaffrey, uh, there is talent, there's ability, and if you want to be a quarterback, you're going to have to put the work in and earn the job, and if you're told no, give him a reason to say yes through reps and work. And even I, I go back to Coach Verdusco. This spring, he didn't get into it super deep, but just kind of my read on things. Like I don't know that it was a, <laughs> I don't know that it was a majority decision or a unanimous decision to even bench. Just reading into again, no confirmation. But I don't know that it was a unanimous decision to bench Adrian last year. Now everybody was calling for it. But, you know, Adrian ended up persevering and coming out. Let's go to the phones. Barry is with Larry. It. Larry. Dude, I can't. Re- I need a darker pen. Yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm going through seven names I'll, here.
1: I'll try to find a, a Sharpie the Sharpie next commercial. All price. right. Buddy. Thank
3: you. Larry. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Thanks for calling. <laughs>
1: I've been called way worse. My friend.
3: <laughs> we won't do that here. <laughs>
4: Hey, if I'm not mistaken, did Christian not opt out of their bowl game when he was a senior at Stanford?
5: Because he, he, he was, was the just first
3: done. He was the first high-profile player to do that. Do you? I remember yeah. that well. Yeah, yeah.
6: So, you're
3: who saying, knows. Anyway. no? I know. There's there. That's that's a good point. Yeah, you, you had you had Christian opt out. Now, was that a Rose Bowl?
4: I do not recall. I just remember it was not for the national championship or something. So He said you know, peace what, I out. My he time, said peace but, out. Yeah. You know. It was the summer. As we, as we run into the portal, what are your thoughts on if you opt out as a senior, you pay the university back your scholarship
3: money? I think that's excessive and I think while it it I say it's excessive because that'll be the complaint and Right now we're in an era of, of player empowerment, so it'll never... I understand it, that. It, it'll, no, I think your idea is okay, but it'll never happen. So um, what about if a school said, you know,
4: Chris, it's been a really good year, but we're going to a bowl game, but you're no longer on scholarship and you don't get to go. Without any cause, recourse, you know, disciplinary action, the schools would just get killed if they did that. They would.
3: They, they would, and it's just... Uh, it's just more of a right. free-flowing setup. I, 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 you know what, Larry? Thanks for the phone call, brother. No, I mean there, there needs to be more of a hard line by schools. I would think. I don't think Coach Shaw was probably real thrilled about uh, Christian opting out. But you, you can't, you can't unload on the kid because you got to go get more Christian McCaffrey's to run the football for you. You got to tread absolutely lightly so you're not blackballed on the recruiting trail you just got to be awful careful with who you're going in and bringing in and by all accounts like good dude good teammate from from his peers luke mccaffrey's that guy but now you're on to a third school in in less than six months
1: i I don't want to speculate too much but i i wonder if he just needs to sit down and have a long hard think about his football career, about what the trajectory is, because he looked at his... I mean, he's got two older brothers that... W- I mean, one's still in the NFL, and I'm not sure if the other older brother is still in the NFL. He played wide receiver for a little bit. Did he? Um, so they have four? Oh, God. Yeah, so I, older than Christian, I think. Okay. There was one that okay. was older than Christian. But, I mean, whenever you see that coming out of the family, and then you're at Nebraska struggling for a starting spot, you go to Louisville and realize, oh, I'm not going to be a starter here either. I, I think he, he, there's a bit of a reality check that comes into, into place. He, he, well,
3: somebody needs to... I, I hope it's I hope it's his ego and not mom and dad. Mm. I hope it's it's not mom and dad saying, "Well, our boy's going to be quarterback," because the guy could be all conferences, a returner, a receiver, kind of a duck R dude, just an absolute Swiss Army, and 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 just kill it any league. He is he's super talented, super athletic, and I, I think he he's a freak athlete like most in the family we'll get into some uh, some playoff expansion thoughts we'll dive into uh what mojo didn't do in arkansas we'll talk to brandon vogel next on hail varsity presented by the nebraska lottery
2: and we're back fellas so, think we could listen to the radio on hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska
6: lottery
3: yes that's awesome College football insider Brad Edwards shortly after five. We welcome in Brandon Vogel, author, dream like a champion, John Cook, managing editor, com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, true or false, you uh, never flipped off the rival town's left field general admission section. That is
4: is true. Um, You know, Saw that going around with with Haggy and it, it it certainly served as a reasonable explanation for why he was getting what he got. But um, yeah, I guess I'll I'll take his word for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he never kind of seemed like uh, uh, that kind of player. But you know, just watching from from home, you have eleven thousand plus in the stadium. You've got a lot of pent up sort of you know excitement,
3: alcoholism,
4: whatever. <laughs> yeah that too there were there were a lot of beer hats i i did think at some moment during that regional that maybe i'll move to fayetteville and, and open a uh a store that just makes hats that look like a mug of beer um because they seem to do well um yeah you know i mean these things happen i don't know it, the, the strangest thing was kind of like being inserted back into that of like oh, these are the things that kind of kind of go on when you have a sporting event with passionate, a passionate fan base and fans full up in the stands. It, it's been a while since we've seen that.
3: It looked like a scene straight out of Slapshot. I mean, you know, just as far as the, <laughs> the anger and intensity uh, from the fan base. But uh, Mojo Haggy telling the World Herald that, no, I don't want to get into it, but I didn't flip anybody off end of discussion in today's day and age somebody's always filming you and somebody's only always filming you as a player because your, your phone's always on there'd be footage there'd be evidence end of discussion right end of discussion uh great effort by nebraska baseball and vogues i want to uh get get to to one of the topics today that's luke mccaffrey and we just we just burned 18 minutes on it and didn't mean to go that long on it. But, you know, it's just interesting with, you know, how three months ago Nebraska is getting slapped for another high profile or another uh, quarterback slash offensive weapon leaving the program or just another high profile recruit leaving the program. We uh, fast forward to di- to today. We hear from Louisville's head coach on ESPN. Louisville, he's like, "Yeah, three or four days. He wanted to be the starter, and and this isn't the place for him. No complaints uh, about the kid himself or his you know his behavior or demeanor, but you just you just can't you can't expect to start. What do you make of this? And I'm a demon saga with Luke McCaffrey, and how do you think it ends?
4: Uh Good question on on how it ends. Um, I think, you know, he, he's a, he's a very talented football player. He's what on the basketball side at this point in his career feels a little bit like a tweener. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like based on Satterfield's comments and based on the fact that he transferred to from Nebraska, that like quarterback is what he wants to do. And and good for him. Great. Like you know, believe in yourself. Because if you're not going to, who is? Um, that, that said, you know, I think, I think as we go through <clears throat> excuse me, as we go through this, um, we're, we're going to see like, where are these players getting their information from? Because right now, there's already more players in the portal than there are scholarships available, and that's only going to get worse, because right now, any of those super seniors that came back, they don't count against the scholarship limit next year is going to be potentially chaos because all of this all of a sudden they do like if Austin Allen wants to to come back I'm sure Nebraska would be very happy if that's the case just to use an example um, they've got to find a scholarship that means one less guy they can sign and and that's going to be the case for for every team in the country and and what do you do and what do you do when players are also jumping into the transfer portal at a rate that we've I mean, the transfer portal isn't very old, but at a rate you've never seen when you're just like the numbers don't add up. Like you can you can hop into the transfer portal from anywhere, but the number of scholarships is capped at 85 times 130 teams at the FPS level. And, and that's a hard cap. So, you know, it, it, I think a lot of this comes down to kind of it's become a thing that's very easy to do now. But you've really got to be sure that the interest is there in you. And I'm not saying that there isn't for Luke. I'm just saying in general, the interest is there in you, and that a scholarship is available for you. It's it's really a hard line kind of dollars and cents type of decision. And I don't think that's the way it's being treated being treated right now.
1: Brandon, do you think as time goes on that that this transfer portal thing will kind of turn into like looking back at a fad almost because. Well, with the situation this year, more players in the portal and there are scholarships available, you'd think that some players in a, in a couple of years might use this as like caution, like, oh, if I go in the portal, it's not guaranteed that there's going to be a place for me to go.
4: I, I think we'll get there, but I think it's going to take uh, a couple of more years. And, you know, the, the portal serves a purpose. It, it definitely does. Um, but to kind of reach that point where, you know, enough guys have, like, well, this isn't it for me for whatever reason. I'm going to put my name out there and just wait for the offers to roll in. It's going to take a good chunk of those guys to be like, oh, I didn't get the offers I thought. Or, you know, I ended up at some place that maybe wasn't as good as the place I was at for, I think, that kind of institutional learning, quote-unquote, to take effect. And we're still in the very early stages of that. Is it going to be a fad? I, I think it'll always be there. It'll always be there for the the right kind of people. Like, it definitely serves a purpose. But just be like, oh, I showed up. It wasn't what I thought. I didn't have the clear access to playing time that I thought I would. I, I do think two, three, four years down the road, it's not going to be that anymore.
3: Brandon Vogels with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We're hitting on Luke McCaffrey leaving Louisville and – um, a, a quick turnaround Vogues let's go back to, to the quarterback management last year we got a little bit clearer picture now with I guess maybe some expectations you had not great play by Adrian He lost his job got his job back because Luke didn't seize it and then once um, once Adrian kind of re-secured it or it, it, maybe it felt like Luke wasn't going to be able to beat Adrian out you move on, how, how do you think that was managed a year ago? because it wasn't like you didn't need to or couldn't think about making a change, but man, there were lots of there was lots of noise to make a change at quarterback, and I think the best we, we saw of Luke was as that Swiss army guy at Maryland, at Ohio State, and then you never really saw it again.
4: Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, from, from Nebraska's perspective, I honestly think they handled it pretty well. So when that kind of doubt got the loudest uh, late in the game at Northwestern, where it's like, oh, man, you know, that's a, that's a tough interception from, from Adrian Martinez. Maybe it's time to think about this. Because at that point, Nebraska all offseason had said, you know, this is a legitimate quarterback battle. They're close. They made that change then, and they won a game that way. And then, you know, McCaffrey wasn't able to sustain it. Uh, not a total surprise for, for a redshirt freshman. And when Adrian got inserted back in, like, he didn't, didn't let it go. And I think what we're talking about with the, the transfer portal in a big picture is kind of resetting expectations of, if you're in Luke McCaffrey's position, being like, well, I got that job for a little bit. That, that's how close I am. But it's hard because the grass always looks greener someplace else. And, you know, the, the bizarre thing about today's news is that it was so quick of like got there. And, and who knows what else was, was involved. Maybe, you know, you just get to a place and you're like, oh, this, this, isn't, this isn't the place I want to be for, for whatever reason. You know, we only have Satterfield's perspective on it at this point. Um, but it's, it's just, I think that's the hurdle we're trying to overcome of it's been become easier to be like, well, it'll be better over there, but our understanding of, okay, here's why it may or may not hasn't really increased.
3: Vogue's got a couple of minutes. Uh, your takeaway here, busy next three weeks for a lot of folks in, in, in sport coats and. In, in uh, formal university where when it comes to the college football playoff uh, discussions for 2022 and beyond, kind of reconfigure and maybe reset the field. How do you feel about eight? How do you feel about 10? Do you like 16? 12 sounds like the number, though, when we talk about expansion here sooner rather than later. Do you, are, are, is that going to be better for college football?
4: Yeah, I'm... For me, as, as somebody who doesn't have to endure the the wear and tear of what an expanded schedule might be, I'm very much like the more the better. So <laughs> when I see, you know, reports of a 12 team playoff, I'm like, okay, um, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Not not because it's just more games, though. I, I do personally enjoy that, but because it opens up access to that, and you're you're really moving towards pretty close to an FCS model where the heavyweights, the blue bloods, they're, they're going to win the vast majority of the time, but you're at least giving others access to the, the biggest prize in, in the sport. And it's hard for me to come up with a way that that's not a good thing. Like does it diminish the regular season a little bit there? Yeah, maybe sometimes, um, you know, I think, the big, thing, the big thing for me, if, if they do get to 12, as was reported by multiple outlets yesterday, um, it's, how are they arriving at that? And if, if it's totally a selection committee, what are they doing to kind of improve that? Because you can run through you know, the past three, four years and be like, well, here's what the 12 would be. I almost think rather than, you know, at, at, that, at, at 12 it's big enough that you're not just saying conference champions only. Um, but I wonder if division champs only might be kind of a way to limit that. And no matter which way you do it, you're going to end up with a team where it's like, well, Texas A&M didn't win their division, and they were number five last year. Mm-hmm. It's just, at a certain point, you run into an exception that's that's tough to justify, but you got to set up the rules, and if they're going to do a new kind of swing at this, I, I hope they really take that part seriously.
3: You know, I just wonder, wear and tear. I mean, you're working on an NFL schedule for a champion, and do you have a home site versus just straight-up bowl games, and then you get into the the fan travel aspect? TV eyes will be there, bud, but uh, what's the stadium look like? Because can you crank out four straight <laughs> trips to different bowl sites? Vogues, you have a good... Good weekend. We're thinking about you and, and thanks for, for jumping in today.
4: Okay.
2: Thank you. It's
3: Brandon Vogel, the managing editor, hailvarsity.com and magazine. We'll check in with Mike Schuard next.
2: And now. and
3: now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Off to the golf course we go, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Man, it's chirping birdies. I, I just feel it. We say hi to Mike Shuhart. we how many birdies today?
6: Oh, there's a few, as long as you can keep the sweat out of your eyes. It's a little warm out here, but it's beautiful.
3: <laughs> Luckily, there are, are, are folks with beverages on carts at Wilderness Ridge, and the beer is cold. The vodka is wonderful. The water and iced tea are tremendous too, Shuey. Uh, I just,
6: yeah, anything cool is good.
3: It is cool and good. And I got to ask you, Shuey, coaching as long as you have, uh, I'd love to get your your read on this McCaffrey deal, not only with Nebraska but also Louisville. And how do you put up with that as a coach where you got a talent, you want to use the talent, but the talent isn't listening to the coach or isn't seeing what the coach is seeing? Uh,
6: He kind of, I think. I don't know how it all went down, but I think somebody handled it correctly as far as the coach. is like, you know what? Uh, You want to play quarterback, but I don't think you're good enough to play quarterback here, so this is where you're playing. He didn't like it. That's kind of the way it works now. Kids don't like where they're at. They're going to just leave. Mm. Crazy,
3: it is. Yeah, it, it, it's. I'm. I'm the one in charge. Here's what I'm. I'm. I'm telling you. We'd love to have you. Uh, and you're not going to like the answer. Okay, well, time to pack it's up. Like, it's like they. know
6: more than the coaches. Coaches have more than coaching. <laughs> Experience counts for something, right, I would <laughs> think. So a coach has been coaching in a position, relatively successful. you would think he would know a little bit of what he knows and he's talking about, but not anymore. The players seem to think they know more than the coaches.
3: Mike Schuart's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Schuie, what about the advice kids are getting today? I mean, and that, that a lot of times flies in the face of a coach.
6: It's horrible because the advice they're getting is all self-serving. You know, it's self-serving because, oh, you're better than that. You should be playing. You're not playing for particular reasons. And it's like, you know, that's why I like golf so much. Because golf is pretty easy. You don't have to put up with that. Golf is, if you shoot the lowest score, you will win the tournament, Mm -hmm. period. So you go out and produce. You shoot the lowest scores. You know, there's really not a whole lot of. Oh, could be, want to be. It's like, if you shoot the low score, you always win. If you're shooting better than everybody else, you're going to play. If you're not, you're not going to play. Pretty simple.
3: Mike Schuart's with us, Shuey at Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, uh, some good stuff on the tour. You had uh, questions asked today with uh, DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. You know, they were asked, how would you characterize the, the relationship with Kepka and and you know your relationship with Deschambeau, and he's like, where would you like me to start? <laughs> but 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 the thing is, is in reality Brooks Koepka says, look, this beef with Bryson, it's good for the game, and I agree with him. He gets the bigger picture. We're talking about these two. It's all right. And is there a feud that you remember going on uh, on the PGA back? back when you were on tour, that, that, that other, other peers kind of got a kick out of or were aware of?
6: Well, you go way back, man, Arnie and Jack. I mean, I don't know if that was a personal feud between the two of them, kind of, that's because Arnie was the king. And here's this young guy coming in, beating him all the time, taking his thunder, so Arnie's army didn't like it much, so he, they made Jack basically a villain. Mm-hmm. because him beating up on on Arnie all the time. So that was one more of the fans did it more than the internal players do it. But, yeah, there's some. You had Ben Crane and Rory Sabatini. I mean, that was brutal because one plays really fast and one plays really slow. And, and one didn't like the pace that the one the other one played at. So, man, they would go at it, you know, verbally. So it's not as big a high-profile name, but there's a few out there. That's one.
3: What about Shooter and, and Happy? Yeah, there's
6: a few of those out there.
3: Is there a, but, is, is anyone? Is there a feud with with Phil and anybody, or is it kind of the tour versus Phil?
6: Kind of that. You know, they tried to make Phil and Tiger a feud, but it's like dude, that was never going to happen. Tiger was too good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tiger just would whatever. When he was on and he was playing, I mean, there was no rival to Tiger. He would just, he would just beat you to death every time, no care who you were. And that never materialized because Phil couldn't hold up the other end. I mean, Tiger would just beat him every time.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: So not much of a feud when you get beat down all the time.
3: Mike Shuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. shuey's out. Shuey are you on? What 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 hole are you on? Are you just at the? At the uh...
6: I'm actually, I'm actually out by the putting green putting up a construction sign.
3: Ah, do you have a construction hat on?
6: I don't. I have one in the shop though that I forgot to put it on. There a big,
3: is there a big red <laughs> N on that?
6: It's not, but it's a big white helmet. I oh. need to put an N on it. And it'd be perfect.
3: Well, we will get you a red sharpie. Should we tell <laughs> us a, tell us about construction and how things are going? And let's spend. A, we got about two minutes left here. Uh, let's talk about the youth program at Wilderness Ridge. The Divot Dogs uh, crushing. Uh, they are, it's so much fun to hear about your, your young kids and how well they're playing.
6: Yeah, we had our first practice with the Dividogs last week. Uh, we have practice again on next Wednesday, and then Friday we have our first competition against Firethorn, so they're all jacked up about that. It's going to be fun. We have our first youth camp that we're right in the middle of. That started on Monday, so today was hump day with them. we got two more days. Uh, we have a ton of fun with them. we got four stations that we take them through. The shark station, it's called Shoe the Shark. So we got this big inflatable shark. His nickname got to be the Shoe, I'm not sure why. But uh, then we feed it shark bait. So that's kinda of one of their favorite stations. So and then we have a full swing station where they get we got a big gong out there. They gotta ring the gong if they can hit it. So lots of fun stuff that they do. So camp will be over on Friday, Divot Dogs next week, first competition. So I mean it is it is summer. There's a lot of stuff going on.
3: About fitting, what if folks are looking to get re-gripped, maybe some new spikes, or that driver in their bag isn't working, so it's time for a new driver?
6: We can do any of that stuff. We have a tailor-made, the tailor-made rep is going to be in town this week, so he's doing a tailor-made specific fitting, so if anybody's interested in tailor-made equipment, they just call us up, we fill them in one of the spots that we have available, and then next Friday we have our, our Fit Friday, so everything we got juniors we got fittings, we got golfing going on it is summertime
1: now should we, before we let you go about 15 seconds here i need to ask about the construction now, they have you with a hammer in your hand are you skilled at that or is that like I think a, he's
3: got a jackhammer going or,
1: or is that won't <laughs> mess it up
3: <laughs>
6: uh skilled at it i think that would be a matter of who you talk to i would say i'm pretty skilled at it others might not
3: Shoey, so i think I, you're you're probably money
6: i just money I just hammered
3: my thumb, so probably not very skilled. Oh, man. Shuey, I think you're the the demolition guy, brother. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good enough. Give me something
6: to tear up, and I'll do
3: that. There he is. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Go check out Shuey. Get a lesson, get fixed, get fit, or send your kids to see him. Shuey, we love you, buddy. Take care. We'll catch up next week. Thanks for squeezing us in. All right.
6: Thank you much.
3: Take care. All right. There he is, Mike Shuehart. We got to get a picture of Shuey in that construction hat. Tweeted out. We'll wind down hour one. Brad Edwards coming up. We'll talk about some home cooking with Nebraska at Memorial Stadium.
2: And now, and now,
3: back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery, uh, hour one, winding down. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, email chris at halevarsity.com. Think about what your house is worth right now. Do you sell? Are you thinking of selling? Are you looking to buy? It's limited. West Blue Realty. Dial up. Tom Luby. Dial up. Kelly Hofschneider. It'll be fantastic for you. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. Give uh, Tom Luby a shout today at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofsteiner, give Kelly a call. 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. Go see him 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Was driving home today from KFOR. Do mornings over there, 6 to 9. And I got pulled over was not speeding. But apparently one of my registration tags was not on the back plate. That freaked me out. Because you fork over what you fork over with, you know, renewing the tags. <laughs> the officer walks up to the car, great dude. He's like, yeah, you know, you, you haven't renewed your tags. I was like... Oh, I have a hole burnt in my wallet that says I did. <laughs> I was very respectful, obviously. And there was a, a tag on my front, because, you know, I get in, I go into the garage, I see the front of my vehicle, I don't look at the the back of the truck that often. So I guess now I need to go find an, a, a new blue sticker. Mm. The biggest thing that challenged me, though, was, you know, a proof of insurance, and I had two choices. I can call a big, you know, Big Ben Bolty and say, "Bro, I need a, I need you to digitally shoot me a proof of insurance because what I have was expired." Or I, I, can call my wife and say, "Hey, you know what we got in the mail? Can you screenshot that for me?" Well, I chose to call the wife, and of course, she's like, well, why are you bothering me?" Well, I'm pulled over here, and I'm going to get. Uh, issued a ticket here if you don't help me out you know what's on the counter yeah the, the mess to the right of the mess can you shoot me a screenshot please of our insurance you handle the insurance babe please give me the, the proof of insurance so i don't have to pay a fine here so it all worked out okay
1: See, you didn't hit the officer with the, I'm Chris Schmidt. You may have heard of me.
3: No. 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 (laughs) No. I I will not pull the, do you know who I am? The answer is nobody gives a damn and I don't. (laughs) Who are you aside from the a hole that doesn't have a blue tag on the back of his license plate? So that was interesting. I was on the phone with Babbers. I was talking to Mike Babcock. I'm like, hey, Babbers. Uh, I'm getting pulled over. Can I call you back? (laughs) He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And uh, bless his heart, he then texted and said, everything okay? (laughs) He didn't quite say, where are you? Do you need bail? (laughs) Did you swallow any balloons? No, 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 no. So, but it was and hadn't happened for a while, thankfully. You, you had to take it out of her notes. because they, they'll usually throw
1: that registration take it out if you go take it down to the courthouse anyway, if you go well, take uh, 30 minutes out of your day. Yeah,
3: I is a warning. Now I need to, to figure out uh, with our friends at the DMV what to do. So we'll check in with uh, Brad Edwards, college football insider, college football playoff, SEC baseball fan decorum. That's on the way, hour two. Thanks for hanging out. Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Elijah, good uh, good get as yeah, you just sent me that information from Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball. How about our old buddy Pat Casey, Oregon State, the leading candidate for the LSU job? Which is nuts to think about. We just talked to Coach Casey last week. So we got to have that beer with him in Omaha before... Well, well, he heads down to, to Baton Rouge. Could be a celebratory beer. Might be. It might be. Uh, we welcome in college football insider and author Brad Edwards. Brad, what do you know? How's your summer, man?
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's going well. I've, I've actually uh, caught a lot more sports in the last week than, than I really had since college football ended. Um, I've watched a good bit of, of the softball and the baseball mm-hmm. this week, and um, I, I knew that the Huskers must have been pretty good from, you know, what they did in the Big Ten. But uh, I got to tell you, man, that team, if they had drawn pretty much anybody else, I, I think they'd still be playing right now. That's that's a really good team, and I hate to see them out as soon as they are.
3: We kind of felt that way, too. That was that was like our monster takeaway, not only kind of smiling, just we go back a ways with Will Bolt. We love Will uh, from the Van Horn era, right? That's when I was in college, and we're doing – you know college broadcast one year with you know nebraska maybe winning x number of games and the next thing you know this guy named van horn rolls in and then all of a sudden they're 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 moving seats to uh moment of silence you know buck Belzer <laughs> before yeah. before haymarket gets built right and it, it was just awesome and now it, it's got that feeling again because of how good will bolton his staff are and and the players and you know, we talk about the, the talent that Darren Erstad recruited and had on hand, and then we talk about the level Nebraska got to. And And you're totally right, Brad. We feel like any other draw in Nebraska is probably in the Supers. And i got to get your take because of all the CWS work you did and just knowing the SEC like you do before we get into some college football playoff and, and Bama stuff, where would you put Arkansas's fan base from, a, from like a – uh, an intimidation slash rowdiness rating. I mean, you've been to a lot of the, C- the 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 SEC haunts. You've been to a lot of the places. Is, is Arkansas? We weren't down there for it, but is, is Arkansas? I don't want to say nasty, but is is vocal as advertised?
0: Well, you know, I haven't been there for baseball. Okay. So okay, I don't I don't know about baseball, but I, I do know that most of the places in the SEC, when the teams are good are really tough to play because they they have pretty large capacities Mm -hmm. and they pack the house. They they all support their baseball teams when they're worth supporting. Um, Some of them, even when they're not worth supporting, they still support them. Uh, But I, I guess I make my judgments on Arkansas fans back from when I was in school and they were so good in basketball under Nolan Richardson. Um, i've never seen arkansas football fans have as much to cheer about as the basketball fans or arkansas fans in general did in those days early 90s and early to mid 90s and um yeah that that is a that is a rowdy group uh when when they get going is so that was going to be just an insane uh atmosphere and uh and nebraska almost survived it but uh, i tell you what well, one of my one of my memories, I, and I have several, um, you know, lasting memories from all the College World Series that I went to over the years. But uh, one of the one of them that will you know stay with me for forever is uh, the the one year I went that Nebraska was there. And so I'm trying to think when that would have been. Probably you
3: know, 05. Alex Gordon.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say 05 ish. So if they were there in 05, that would be the one. Um, but because uh, I I was going to the stadium. Um, and we get, we got there, you know, a good two hours or so before the first game started. This is when I was, for people who don't know, I, I worked for, for ESPN. is the reason I was out there. And so we would get there, you know, two hours before the first game started. And Nebraska was playing the night game. And uh, the, the parking lot was packed with just tailgaters. And they're out there and they're they're already grilling and they're drinking and, you know, and, and I'm thinking like, they, do they realize like, this is, this is not football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, is, this is baseball. Like it's, you know, it, it's a little bit hotter than it is in the fall. And, and I mean, you know, I mean, it's, those are some hot days and, and mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you, I don't have yeah. to tell anybody listening, you know, how hot it is in, in, in June and um, they stayed out there you know, all afternoon, all through the first game, leading up to the second game, and they come in, and, and I don't even remember who they were. I think they played Arizona State in the opener. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't recall. But um, first pitch of the game, and Jabba Chamberlain, I'm pretty sure was a starter. First pitch of the game, strike. And the, the entire place just, just erupted. And I'm thinking, I have never seen anything like this. And I believe the first, ground, the first batter ended up grounding out and the reaction to a, a game opening ground out was something that you would you would you know say was equivalent to a touchdown being scored in football was <laughs> so just like and, and, and they kept that up for most of the game and i just for all the games that i saw at the college world series and there were some great ones the atmosphere for the for the few games that i saw in nebraska play, uh, was unlike anything else. You just don't see that
3: in baseball. It, it was nuts, and it was incredible. And you got that—that O that five team got their first CWS win. And I think it was that that vintage Arizona State game where it was an extra innings affair, where you had some some high drama. But I, I think Will Bolton, Nebraska, sooner rather than later, they'll be finding their way back to Omaha. I know that's a a a, 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 a jump from what what just happened and where baseball had kind of been either up or down, but not like top top 15, top super regional good. feel like you know what, that's the direction they're headed under, under Will Bold based on what you did in Arkansas. Can you follow, follow it up? And there's a lot of confidence that Nebraska will be able to follow it up. Brad, with college football, the playoff, you got the, the next two weeks window to make a decision on expansion, and it sounds like 12... Could be the number. Do we need to expand to 12? Does college football need uh, to reach more of the country? You've got the interest that's always going to be high in the SEC. It's always going to be high in the Big Ten, the Sun Belt, the, the, the Rust Belt. But to to expand means maybe the Pac-12 is always going to be a, a part of it. Uh, you have uh, the Northeast. What's your take on this? Is 12 the way to go? Is it time to do it?
0: Yeah, so you asked two different questions. Uh, do we need to expand to 12, and you know, do we need to bring in more of the country or something to that effect? Yeah. And they're two separate questions, and I think they have separate answers. I would say, yes, there's a need to bring in more of the country, not to legitimize the national champion. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything about the four-team playoff that's illegitimate as far as determining who the best team is. Um, but to create more interest in the sport, and especially late in the season, uh, I think you do need to have some sort of setup where you guarantee that a team from you know west of the Rockies is is going to get in there, and you can accomplish that in an eight team playoff. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is the logic behind the twelve team playoff. And I read the articles; I understand what they're saying. M- my take on it is: okay, first of all, if you're going to let the, you know all of the Power Five conference champs and and the highest ranked group of five teams, that's six automatic bids. If you do that, that's going to create so much more interest in the last three or four weeks of the season because they're going to be late season divisional games, uh, even in the weaker division of a conference that are very meaningful because whoever wins that is going to be, you know, given a one game shot to get in the playoff. And so um, that I think would do a lot for the popularity of the sport and certainly a lot for the significance of the regular season. What I think would be somewhat undone would be the significance of games in some other conferences. If you if you got to a point where you had enough teams in there that you could start to to get at large bids with two losses, right? Like, there's no doubt you'd have conference champions with two or three losses that would that would get in. That's obviously going to happen. But if you ever get to the point where you could lose a second game and still have a pretty good shot at, at getting an at-large spot, I, I, I think that could eventually devalue some of the late-season uh, games and, and maybe even some conference championship games. You know, if you get one where it's like, okay, you know what, both teams are, are probably in. Maybe you got an undefeated team against a one-loss team, and even the one-loss team, if they lose the second one, they're good. Um I, I'm not saying I don't want the best teams out there playing because I do, but I, I think there's a sense of urgency that's necessary to to you know, to give the regular season the most meaning possible. And I think that magic number is, is one loss. Mm-hmm. Um and it, you know, if you if you look at the many, many years of college football history where you could lose one game and it cost you a chance to win the national championship, that was harsh. And, I, and, look, I mean, that, that still exists for, for some conferences out there. Um, but, but for the most part, in the Power Five now, if you don't lose more than one game, you've got a really good chance of getting in the playoffs. And, and so it's, it's almost like you have a mulligan if you're in one of the big conferences. Um, and then there have been years where, let's say, Clemson, when they got upset by Syracuse a few years ago, that didn't even register on my radar because I looked at the rest of their schedule. First of all, they, they lost with a backup quarterback and they're playing in the second half. Um, I look at the rest of their schedule. I'm like, nobody else is going to beat them. So Clemson's still fine. That loss didn't do anything. But, but I wouldn't want that one loss to knock them completely out. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But what I wouldn't want there to be is a situation where that team could then go on and you know lose a game really late in the season and they're still okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, I would. I would like to see expansion. But I, I, I still think eight is the right number because I think you start to water down the product when you get to 12 and you diminish the regular season and we've seen what that's done to college basketball
1: Brad I'm with you on all your points I just want to ask with this current system in place do you feel like it has devalued the the New Year's Six Bowl games the Rose Bowls the Sugar Bowls games like that whenever now instead of being traditionally the the winner of the Pac-12 versus the Big Ten in the, uh, the Rose Bowl for example now it's well it's just our college football playoff semifinal would you agree with that assessment?
0: Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's uh, there's certainly in the years where where the Rose Bowl is not a semifinal and, you know, they end up with a, a matchup that is not Pac-12, Big Ten champions going against each other. You know, I mean, there was one, I think it was a few years ago, where they ended up with like the, the number three team from the Big Ten or something. And so, I mean, you you end up with one like that, and yeah, I mean, you still preserve the matchup, but it just doesn't have the same... Feel to it, so I, I'm I'm sure that on a certain level that's true. I don't I don't know uh, what the ratings would reflect. I mean, like you know, for uh, for years when the you know Orange Bowl, for example, um, and I'm not even going to say doesn't have an ACC team because I don't think the ACC tie-in really matters to the Orange Bowl. But our Orange Bowl ratings when they're not a, a semifinal game these days. Lower or significantly lower than they were you know in the nineties when when it wasn't for the national championship i I'm not sure so so it feels like there all the bowl games that aren't part of the semis um, except for maybe the Rose Bowl in a lot of years are devalued but i'm I'm not sure if that's reflected in in other areas like ratings so uh, i mean that would be that would be something to you know to to kind of Think about certainly, and that's another reason that you know when I see these these twelve team models that are talking about playing three neutral site rounds, you know where where you'd have quarters, semis, and championship all in in bowl games. I I just think that's too much. I I think you're already borderline asking too much of these fan bases to play two straight neutral sites and and ask the fans to travel to both. But if you if you throw up a third one. I, I don't. I, I think that they would get what they deserve if you ended up with half-full stadiums for the quarterfinals. Because, um, look, it, it, some of these teams that are used to being there, and we know we know who they are—the <laughs> same teams that win the Power Five conferences every single year, pretty much. If those teams get into a playoff, and let, let's just say that they end up playing a, a quarterfinal um, at a neutral site in a bowl game, their fans are not going to. They're not going to shell out the money to make that trip. I shouldn't say that. A lot of them won't. Okay, and so I, I just I think if you're going to do this, the right way to do it um, is quarterfinals need to be on on campus sites. That that's that's a way to add excitement to these games. And and I mean, you guys are you're, you're now Big Ten. Um, how much would Big Ten teams love to get a Southern team up in their stadium <laughs> in late December? You know, to play in the elements, and it's just—it's uh, Nebraska
3: I mean, fans' dream, Brad, to get Miami and Lincoln in January. Okay, how awesome would that be for thirty years? You know, can,
0: you, can you see? Can you see Florida, Florida State making the trip up to to Ann Arbor? You know, playing in some snow like that. would, You know, that, that's that's what fans want to see. We don't need a, another stale environment in a in a dome stadium, and you know, it's it's. Look, for a championship game, it's fine because everybody's all excited about mm-hmm. the game anyway. But if you've got a, you know, a four versus five, give us, give us a reason you know, to want to wanna watch it. Because generally speaking, I realize there have been two playoffs. that have been won by the four seed. So I'm not saying they can't win. But most years, the four and five seeds aren't going to win the thing. So, so give me a reason to care.
3: Brad, I wanna keep you a couple more minutes on the other side. I'm up against a hard break. Can I can I do that yeah, to, sure. get, no to get to get your take on on Sabin's extension? Uh Brad Edwards with his college football insider and author. Brad, hang on the line. We'll be back with a little bit more, and thanks for, for your time and insight on this. So I can just see the the equipment guy from the U, right? Walking into the locker room, handing out Adidas gear. What's this? Oh, they're, 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 they're shirts with sleeves on them to wear <laughs> under your football uniform. I'm smiling, just thinking. About Why? That. Because we're playing at Ohio State and it's December. More with Brad Edwards, uh, some thoughts on Saban's extension. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. at Tale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Brad Edwards, college football insider and author with us. Talking college football playoff. Eight's the number. Brad laid out a perfect argument for that. Also spent some time on the Nebraska baseball team and Brad's uh, long history with the CWS. Uh, at J. Brad edwards on twitter brad uh let's get back to football and thanks for extending this conversation so with with saban getting his extension through 2028 are you surprised that that i'm not surprised alabama wanted to extend him but are you surprised saban's gonna keep on going I, what he's 69 isn't
0: he yeah i believe he turned 70 on i think halloween is his birthday um Some people will get a kick out of that. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, the thing is that Saban, and and I believe at some point, if if it didn't just happen sometime in the next few weeks, Saban is going to be older than Bear Bryant was when he died. Yeah. Okay, and and Bryant died a month after coaching his last game. He he announced that that was going to be his final season. He coached a bowl game. And then, and then he, he basically made it like four weeks after that. Um, Saban is in so much better health than, I mean, obviously, than, than Bryant was. But if you think about even other coaches who have coached into their 70s in recent years, um, he, I mean, it's not just that he doesn't look like he's 70, um, but he's still very active, very energetic. Uh, obviously, you know, all together there. Mentally and, um, and really, if you just look at the results, uh, as, as good as he's ever been. And I don't think there's any doubt that he can coach at least five more years. And I, I think that's kind of the scary thing to everybody else, is that uh, they were all hoping that he was, he was close to the end of the road, and then he just had arguably the, the best team that he's ever put on the field this past year. And in the process, you know, got cooped up in the house a couple of times because of a false positive COVID test and then a a real positive. And uh, he hated it. You know, he hated being at home. His wife hated having him at home. And I think, you know, that just kind of reinforced to him that he wanted to keep coaching for quite a while. He doesn't, you know, want to be sitting around. And so I think as long as the teams are, you know, continuing to do well, and uh, if not winning championships, at least coming close, I think he's going to keep going for as long as he
3: can. Brad Edwards with us. I, I think he hates he hates downtime, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And it sounds like, with talking with you and a couple of other folks I know that that know the the Bama program pretty well. I mean, he doesn't even just kick it at his lake house that often. Once in a while, but like two days of lake days, and he's ready to get back to recruiting or something. He's just, he's just wired differently, Brad.
0: He is, and I think that that, as much as anything, is kind of what has set him apart. Obviously, there've been, you know, a lot of guys who were great motivators, a lot of guys who were great with X's and O's, who've been coaches in college football, but. I think it's his ability to not be complacent at any point, no matter how much success he's had, that has allowed him to go to a level that nobody else has ever reached. And and you mentioned the two days at the lake house. He's probably spending half that time on the phone. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, what times of year he's there and when he's allowed to call recruits and not. But if he's not talking to recruits, he's probably talking to, you know. Assistant coaches lining up motivational speakers, whatever, whatever he can do to try to to make his team better uh, is that's that's generally what he's thinking about for most of the day. So he is uh, he's a different breed when it comes to that. And uh, you know, and and it's funny you 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 look at the numbers of the new contract and what he's getting paid, and I haven't seen a single reaction from anyone in either the Alabama or the national media suggesting that that's too much money for him. Now I think in general you could say that's too much money for a college coach of any sport to be paid, but pretty much anybody who understands what has happened at Alabama since he's gotten there, not just with the championships, but with the university itself, and the, the way that, it, that his success on the field has helped contribute uh, to the university itself taking it to another level, he is arguably the most underpaid coach in all of college football. And so when you see the, the, the list come out of like the top five highest paid coaches now, which, you know, that always comes whenever somebody signs a big contract, that list mm-hmm. always gets published. And looking at it yesterday, it wasn't the nine point whatever million that Saban is getting that caught my attention. It's when you look at how close some other guys are to him, you realize how overpaid they are. <laughs> like and, and
3: you're right with the that, success. It, yeah like
0: you know, you 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 look at L S U and look and I realize Coach O won a national championship just a year earlier. Um, but you look at that and you're thinking, man, what, I mean, LSU is I mean it was funny for so many years everybody just kinda of laughed at, at the SEC and the way that they were getting fleeced by C B S. You know, the 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 deal that C B S had to televise all the games and just nowhere near market value, and, and I kind of think the same thing. I look at, you know, what LSU is having to pay its head coach, um, and I'm thinking, man, like, I mean, Alabama's the one getting the bargain. LSU is, like, grossly overpaying, and, um, and I, I think the same can be said, like, going much further down that list. I mean, you get into, I mean, pretty much, I, I don't know, most, most coaches who are making more than $4 million a year, are probably grossly overpaid for what they're actually bringing back to the university.
3: You will get head nods in some sections of the state when we talk about what coaches are getting paid and what their win-loss record is. For sure, Brad Edwards with us. Brad, last thought: Where uh, where can folks find your book? Tell us real quick about the book you've been working on uh, on Alabama. Its title and uh, just give us uh, a quick uh, four-one-one on it.
0: Yeah, I know that. This is a topic that's probably uh, you know, not going to, uh, to, to really resonate in your audience, but perhaps you've got some listeners who are you know, Alabama fans or maybe even just lovers of college football in general who might be interested. The, the, the book is about Alabama and really the, the dominance of Alabama under Saban, and it's called Dynasty by the Numbers. And uh, the subtitle is uh, Why Alabama Now Has the Greatest Decade-Long Run uh, or, sorry, decade-plus run in college football history. And, um, you know, it, it really uses numbers and through those numbers uh, graphics to tell the story of, of really how much better Alabama has been than everyone else in college football over the last 12 or 13 years. And so it, it is about the Saban teams and, uh, and just what they've been able to do that in so many ways is unprecedented. And uh, it is uh, it's going to be uh, coming... Uh, from the printer in early August. We pushed back the schedule a little bit, but sometime in the middle of uh, July, I will, uh, I will you know, put them up for sale on my website for pre-order. Mm-hmm. Uh, the website uh, is going to be BamaDynastyBook.com. Uh, once again, I'm sure there aren't a lot of people in your audience who care, but if you do, jot that down and, uh, and check back in, uh, in the latter half of, of July, and you can, you can take a, a peek at some of the sample pages from that
3: website folks uh, around uh, nebraska love college football brad i'm sure they'll check it out i hope they check it out but thanks for jumping out with us we'll get caught up soon and talk some more college ball appreciate your time
0: all right always appreciate it
3: chris take care take care brad edwards with us college football insider author and uh good stuff there on the college football playoff eight's the number i could listen to 12 totally listen to 12 and was kind of in in thought you know the, and this sounds based on yahoo's reporting that twelve's the number and i what tim brando was saying earlier he's a pretty pretty big voice in college football as well and brando's saying look college football needs to do the following and and folks have a little bit of staleness uh it's it's been the same four or five teams every year right interest is waning interest never wanes with me i don't get bored with bama or clemson part four part five whatever we're into right now i'm not bored with ohio state i'm not bored with oklahoma in there i wasn't bored with lsu right because you've just got a handful of teams that have been there once Got a handful of teams that have been there four times: Ohio State and Oklahoma, and then you have your, your mainstays that just make reservations. That's uh, that's Clemson, that's uh, Alabama. But the the reality is this, and and this is what Tim Brando kind of nailed: the advertisers that are that are spending boatloads of money for the college football playoff haven't been delivered to when it comes to ratings and audience, what they were promised. So you need. More of the country involved. A lot of fun things to do out west when it's always nice. Texas has been out of the picture, all right? Uh, the Northeast, right? You have Penn State. Syracuse isn't really worth a damn anymore in football. There's no Big East Conference for football. What do you do? Well, more is going to be better, and more teams will pro will hit more of the country, theoretically, because college football's regional. Hit more regions, get more eyeballs, another revenue stream, you grow, you expand. And that's the other reason. Think about college football's conference expansion. Think about why Nebraska, although from a fit standpoint, isn't there. The the brand was. The brand was a no-brainer for the Big Ten to go get 10-plus years ago over a Missouri or somebody else, Right. Because it's the Nebraska brand. It's still relevant. It's still hot. It still has eyeballs. It still has spending power. Well, you kind of do the same thing on a bigger picture here if you expand the playoff. So give me your conference champs, your automatic qualifiers. Give me your group of five. Give me your Central Florida or your Boise. And let's see it shake out. Eight or 12 is all right. Six is too few. If they keep it at four, I'm all right. But Brad nailed it where your semis need to be on site because think about this. You've all packed up the truckster, gone to the airport, flown to an Orange Bowl or you've gone to a Fiesta Bowl. You've gone to a Nebraska Bowl game, right? Maybe it's not been a New Year's Day Bowl game and that's all good. My brother went to the 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 Clemson game uh, against Dabo, his first season, right back in 08. Maybe I haven't been to a bowl game because there haven't been any bowl games for me to go to. But or or <laughs> that's fine. Or you you know you just like you're not feeling uh, you know the 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 third place SEC SEC contest where you play South Carolina or Georgia in a couple couple meetings done in in Jacksonville. I I get it, but the point is there's a lot of the state that's gone to a bowl game. Think about. Slamming that two consecutive weeks or three consecutive weeks—that's hard. And then you got to factor in the conference title game, because you're probably playing in that if you're going to a, to a to a college football playoff setting. So you're going to Indy. it's mean, a lot of money to spend, but uh, Nebraska fans would line up in two seconds to do it. Especially that first year. You, whenever it happens, you get back. Uh, we'll have to hit this to- topic tomorrow. On uh, on home cooking and just the dominance at Memorial Stadium. Good grind uh, up by the World Herald. Uh, Jock Doc's on the way with Hale Varsity.
2: He's in his thirties, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now
6: say my name.
2: It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut preteen Swedish boy.
3: Back into it, it's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how you doing?
5: I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself?
3: Doing awesome, man. Uh, loving the summertime. Excited for uh, what's happening on the sports scene. But uh, also intrigued here by some of these soft tissues uh, injuries. And uh, one of my favorite guys I've gotten to see up close and personal Uh, For him, he was with Memphis at the time. Mike Conley's an incredible point guard. He's done well in Utah and uh, was out last night uh, to open up things against the Clippers. Let's talk hamstring injuries. And, Dr. Ben, you've seen the the worst-case scenarios of of hamstring injuries. You've also seen, well, uh, the cases that just linger. And we don't know how long this hamstring injury will linger. You also saw it on the Diamond with Nebraska baseball. Uh, with with Max Anderson, so take us through the the different types of, of, of tweaks that happen with with an athlete in their hamstring.
5: Absolutely, yeah. These are these are tough injuries, and like you touched upon earlier, these soft tissue injuries these can be these can be worse than the notorious bone breaks or fractures, or you know the bigger type injuries that you hear about. Um, you know, because it takes so long for these soft tissues to heal that you know they can really bother these athletes for a long time. Um, you know, whether it sounds like he had a hamstring strain, you can have, you can strain your hamstring where you kind of hear about quote unquote tweaking your hamstring and it has this kind of residual pain. You can actually tear the tendons off of where they attach, which is, you know, much more serious and sometimes that'll even require surgical fixation. So um, there's a wide variability in. Um, what these hamstring injuries can entail.
3: Doctor Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Hamstring injuries, Mike Conley, our topic. And what what's that uh, that margin for error? I guess between strain and tear. I mean, what what? Where's the the high wire where you go from one to the other? How how thin is that?
5: Well, you know, when you start talking about an actual, actual hamstring tear, they attach up kind of underneath the buttocks to a bone off of your pelvis. And so, when you're talking a true tear, that attachment site literally pulls off of the bone and there's essentially, in simple terms, a gap between the bone and the tendon or the soft tissue. And so that's a true tear where that actually tendon has pulled off and is not in continuity. Um, you know, a strain is more that tendon that actually attaches to that bone. Um, you irritate it, you cause inflammation in it, you strain it somehow, Um, but technically with a strain, it doesn't necessarily pull off and completely tear. However, you know, it doesn't mean that they're any less painful, they're any less difficult to recover from. I would often even say that they're even harder because you're expected to come back sooner um, and they still can linger for a long time.
3: Dr. Ben, let's talk about why they linger and why they're so hard to to get, you know, hurry up and wait, right? You want to rush back, you want to play, but you do that, a lot of times you end up making it worse. How come it takes so long to recover?
5: Well, it, you know, tendons are tough because they really do take a long time. You know, if you break a bone, you know, more or less, you, you get the bone back into where they align and touch each other and, you know, it heals in six weeks and you gradually get back together um, or get back to activity, you know, as your, as your bone allows. The problem with these soft tissue injuries is that they're always being used even when you strain it um, or tear it you know anytime you walk you're still pulling on that tendon and so it just takes a long time for these soft tissues to recover and heal and as we've talked about in the past you know these athletes when they're not clicking at 100 percent you know it's not like people like you or i chris where if we're at 95 we're not going to know whether we're 95 versus 100 percent. but any Any amount that these people are uh, or these athletes are are not to their max, they're going to notice. They're going to notice in their speed, their agility, their acceleration, everything. And so if they're not at 100%, they feel it.
3: So what are some treatment options for a guy like Conley who wants to get back but doesn't want to rush back in any wrong move trying to accelerate or get side to side, make a move with the ball or even defensively? You know, let's talk a little bit here about what's going on here and now to get him ready for a game two or three at some point in this series.
5: Yeah, so it's kind of the old adage of just rest, anti-inflammatories, trying to avoid the activities that make it worse. So honestly, there's a lot of that that's going to be going on for him. And, and as you allow that soft tissue to recuperate, um, you know, he's going to gradually feel better and better, and then he can gradually get back to, you know, jogging, to slight cutting, and then sprinting, et cetera. The nice thing nowadays is that, you know, you can bet that they're going to be throwing the whole kitchen sink at him in terms of treatment. They're going to be doing different therapy options, you know, whether they're doing whirlpool or, you know, ultrasound-type treatments. They're going to be doing anything they possibly can to accelerate that uh, soft tissue healing, and so... Um, you know, some of it, uh, you know, there may not be a lot of evidence that actually it helps, but, you know, they're able to throw everything at these athletes in terms of trying to get them to progress faster.
3: What's better for the hamstring heat, ice, uh, juggling both on top of the anti-inflammatory? What, what is going to make that part of the body feel better and maybe heal quicker?
5: You know, a lot of it just depends on what they're doing. A lot of people will, uh, you know, heat before... They do therapy just to kind of warm up as they start activating, and then sometimes they'll they'll ice it after usually in the acute phase, you know where you have that inflammation or the the strain initially, um, the ice kind of helps calm down the inflammation, um, but as he starts becoming more active it's it's that heat that'll also help kind of warm it up.
3: When we talk about a hamstring tear, the other side of the spectrum here, Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Lincoln orthopedic Center, a jock Doc Wednesday, Mike Conley, our topic with a tear. After the surgery's done, after you reattach uh, that, that, that tendon to where it needs to go, what's the recovery process like for an athlete? If they uh, unfortunately go the, the full nine here and do have a tear, what's, uh, what's that timeline of recovery and then re-injury even?
5: Yeah, so it's similar to all the soft tissue injuries you hear people talking about, rotator cuffs, ACLs. Anytime you reattach a soft tissue or that tendon back to bone, you are relying on the body's kind of natural mechanism to basically to heal back to where it belongs. And so, you know, most often people will tell you that it really takes about six weeks for that initial healing. Then you're really waiting up until three months till that really kind of incorporates in and is pretty solid before you're able to start doing a lot of strengthening. Um, You know, some of these some of these guys that are fixing these for these professional athletes, they might get them in a little bit sooner, but, you know, the hard part is there's not really a way to rush kind of our body's natural response to healing, and, and you know, you can do those treatment modalities to kind of help accelerate it, but still, it's a it's a three to four to five to six months process where you're just waiting on that to heal, and then you got to get back into training after that.
3: What's going to be worse for Conley? Uh, getting to the rim and, and elevating, or Trying to get elevation on a step back.
5: You know, I think just kind of the step back and just those initial bursts; those are going to be the hardest part. You know, I think getting to the rim. You know, there's certainly going to be a component of the hamstrings there as well. But I think it's going to be those acceleration type movements where he's really getting to that next level that that's going to be hard with that strain until he fully heals.
3: Doctor Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Mike Conley, our topic and the hamstring issue and injury he's dealing with as he tries to get back in a timely fashion for Utah. Dr. Ben, great to get caught up again. Thanks for the time today.
2: Thanks a lot, Chris. Miss us?
1: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. We're
2: on call for you catch the podcast at hail the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes settle up partner back to hail varsity radio
3: check out the show today podcast is available for you on multiple platforms spotify itunes google play give us a rating hail varsity radio tell us the good the bad the ugly what you like what you hate what you love what you don't. Chris Schmidt Elijah Herbal. Thanks for spending your Wednesday with us. Must listen to Brad Edwards, ESPN Lincoln for the on demand section, or can go to ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle uh for that interview. Great perspective from Brad on just Nebraska's dent when they do get to Omaha in the College World Series under Will Bolt and uh just the 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 respect around the SEC that Nebraska has garnered uh, with their effort against Arkansas. We talk college football playoff. What's the number? Is it 12? Is it eight? I I could be talked into six uh, automatic qualifiers and six (laughs) at large. But Brad's like, give me eight, man. So Brad made a lot of sense. Listen to that. Uh, Also earlier, Brandon Vogel. Good stuff on uh, the Luke McCaffrey situation at Louisville as he was well, not three and out, but four and out, it sounds like, uh, days with the program before leaving. And uh, Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf, Shuey's all over it. He was uh, talking to us about some golf feuds. And uh, tomorrow, Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star, going to be with us. Gary Barnett will spend time with us. And uh, we shall run down the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke. I even told a story about getting pulled over today which was good that it was just a warning <laughs> and you know why it was just a warning. I was buckled up.
1: Oh, that's all. That's a good move. See, that's like the first thing I I don't understand the people who can get into their car and drive without like, first thing I do is grab the seatbelt. I do because I,
3: I feel naked when I'm driving. Well, it's it. not just that, but yeah, this constant ding, ding, <laughs> ding. Reminder to buckle up. 1500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver Driving drunk, buzzed, or high, never acceptable law enforcement. They're working every day to stop it before more people are killed or injured. So if you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, uh, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. Uh, a DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So we may squeeze in another phone call here. We shall see. No? I just got a Robo call here Prank caller, prank caller, prank caller. <laughs> Telemarketers calling uh-huh. ESPN. Hi, is this the uh, I'm here man to- <laughs> of the house? Would you like to buy some siding? <laughs> uh, uh,
1: hi, this is uh, whoever calling with information about your Medicare insurance. No, this is ESPN Lincoln, actually. I, don't, I, don't, I, think, uh, I think this is not a real person, actually.
3: No, you're good. The, the best thing ever, I was interning with uh, Joe and Timo on The Eagle. This is a hundred years ago, 1998, and some guy calls up, and we just start rolling tape on him, and we 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 kind of identify ourselves. Uh, <laughs> we identify ourselves. Hey, brother, you're on the radio. You're going to be on the radio, and then he starts asking us questions, and we give him just horrific responses. And one may have gotten a bit too personal, and and he like went off on us. Well, they're not allowed to hang up on you. No, but the, he, he just F-bombed his way into a hang-up. He was wonderful. It was not very nice, but it was good. Tomorrow at 4, talk to you. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.